Hey there, guys and gals, all you hip cats, cool kittens, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. It is time once again for the Diesel Punk Podcast, the voice of Diesel Punk, and I am your host, the king of swing, the tower of power, the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool. You can call me Johnny, and joining me via the magic of the interwebs from New Hampshire, Eric Fisk. Diesel Punk was recorded in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> That's hysterical. And joining us from Memphis, Tennessee, the lovely and talented, daring darling of the skies, Miss Daisy O'Dare. Yeah, this is about the time they light up that applause sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I miss the days of studio audiences and you know live studio audiences on sitcoms there's nothing worse than recorded pre-recorded laughter oh yeah i can barely handle that that was the only bad part about mash was was the canned laughter that was the only thing that was bad about mash everything else about that show was perfect but well, you know, that's interesting that you say that because I, I don't think I've ever noticed that it was uh, that it was canned laughter because it truly was funny at those moments. Oh, sure, sure. A lot of sitcoms, you watch them and they have the laugh track and you're like, that's not funny. What? What? So anyway, <laughs> like you but we're something. not here to talk about sitcoms necessarily. We are here to talk about diesel punk and all things diesel punk. And before we get into the big topics this week, guys, um, I want to remind our listeners of a couple of upcoming events right off the bat here. Uh, this coming weekend, Father's Day weekend, uh, June 16th through June 18th is Hypericon in Nashville. Hypericon started and has its roots as a speculative fiction convention, and it's branched out to include, you know, comics and gaming and and other geek culture uh, community activities. But at its heart, it is a speculative fiction convention, and so there is a lot of steampunk and a lot of diesel punk and a lot of, you know, the alternative sci-fi fantasy literature at this convention and i'm going to be there this weekend doing a panel uh, on diesel punk 101 and we're actually going to be live streaming that guys um we're going to live stream that uh on my youtube channel um and and i have a playlist for diesel punk podcast so that'll be live streamed there and we're going to record an episode of the podcast live from hypericon with uh, Eugene John, who does our Swing What You uh, Got music casts, and Sarah Nethery is going to be joining us again. Uh, we're going to do a steampunk versus diesel punk panel. And, of course, Miss Daisy O'Dare, I am performing Friday night with the Bombshell Kittens. It's not too late for you to come up, darling. Oh, geez. You know, we got... I would love to, but... Here's the thing. This weekend, for the first time in ages, the Clockwork Mechanalists are actually going to have a meeting. Uh, C- Captain Greenhill is trying to get us. You know, we gotta, you know, get the rust off all the, all the stuff. We gotta put a new coat of paint on the ship, and we're gonna see if we can't get her flying again. 
that that's exciting. Well, you guys have fun with that, and I know you'll do a great job. In the meantime, I'm going to be at Hypericon um, performing the Friday Night Burlesque Cabaret, Big Daddy Cool and the Bombshell Kittens, emceeing the cosplay contest, and we're doing, for the first time ever this year, a luau pool party, and the Ooh. Bombshell Kittens that do fire and aerial are going to be performing fire and aerial, and it's going to be awesome. That's coming up this weekend. You can get details at hypericon.net. If you're anywhere within the five-hour radius of Middle Tennessee, it is really worth the trip. It has quickly become one of the premier conventions in the Southeast, and I highly recommend it. Um, and we can't forget July. July 29th is Jazz Age on the Delaware. Our good friend, Tom Wilson, is hosting this. Of course, you guys know Tom as the uh, original founder of dieselpunks.org. But you can go to jazzageonthedelaware.com and get full details. They've got live hot jazz and swing from the area's best musicians, professional dancers, dance lessons, classic cars and motorcycles, vintage vendors, food, drinks, alcohol, pie baking contests, fashion contests, lawn games, fun for everyone. I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to get there, trying to get there. Um, it's in, uh, it's on the Delaware. It's uh, just outside of Philadelphia, uh, 17 beautiful acres overlooking the Delaware River. And um, I'm still working on getting there. If any of our listeners want to uh, donate to the cause and help me buy a plane ticket, <laughs> by all means, you can donate on our website at dieselpunkpodcast.com. There is a link to donate and to become a sponsor patron. And Eric, are you going? Are you planning to make it down there, or are you still kind of where I am, trying to make it work out? Well, here's what I'm. I'm really trying very hard to um, figure out a way to um, escape from my in-laws' house because we're supposed to be at my in-laws at the end of July, and my whole plan is to get up four o'clock in the morning and sneak out before anybody else wakes up. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can. As a matter of fact, I I've got a second job just so I can save and go to this thing. So one way or another, I am going to be there. So it's it's either I'm going to be there um, as myself or I'm going to be there incognito in costume so that um, the the FBI and, and, and the and the local uh, Leos won't be looking for any kind of missing persons who wears a brown fedora with a goatee. So, but I am go I'm doing everything that I possibly can to be there, and if it's at all possible, I will pitch something to you to try and get you on an airplane um, uh, to get there. If I I'm, I'm telling you, if I could pick you up myself and we could do a road show. You know, kind of like a Bing Crosby, uh, um, a Bob Hope thing um, on the road and record some audio um, in the uh, in the, in the diesel punk mobile. We would definitely do that. But right now, as it is right now, I am going to be there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, and that's a great segue for all of our listeners. You know, if you would like to hear us and see us at more events and conventions, have us covering those things live broadcasting from those events 
your patronage goes a long way to making that happen. And you can become a subscriber at dieselpunkpodcast.com. There is a uh, button at the top of the page. Just click it. It says become a patron. And you can uh, basically donate a monthly amount to help help us do more uh, live events, uh, you know, contribute to the broadcasting costs. If you enjoy this podcast, we encourage you to do that, to do that and uh, that would be great. So Hypericon.net, jazzage on the Delaware.com, check those out. And if you can be there, do so. Now, guys, that brings us to kind of a couple of the topics that we wanted to talk about tonight. And we're going to, we're going to swing through the diesel punk jungle tonight, but it's all going to connect. I think, I, I think we've created a roadmap that is logical and will get us to uh, the same place at the end, or at least the destination we want to be at. <laughs> um, and, and along those lines, Daisy and I wanted to talk about, Wonder Woman. We've both seen it. I've seen it twice, actually. And uh, Daisy has seen it. Eric, you have not seen it yet. Purposely. So, yeah, purposely. For two reasons. Two good reasons, but go ahead. Well, share share your reasons with, with our audience. Okay. Well, f- first reason, number one, is that I'm not going to go see this movie without my own Wonder Woman. I have my own Wonder Woman, or Supergirl, or whatever she wants to call herself. My wife. My beautiful wife. And everything that I've read about Wonder Woman, it is the most beautiful, um, empowering movie for women, for strong women especially, but also for women who need a boost and to say, you can be your own superhero too. um, Being a superhero is not a men's only club. And another thing is, is that what I really wanted to do is I wanted to come into this. I want to be the guy who is asking the questions that some our listeners would ask from the perspective of somebody who hasn't seen it. So, um, so yeah. So I think that the obvious question is, is that is it any good? But we'll save that for later. Well, I'll answer that question right away, and I'll say that it was very good. It was uh, definitely the best of the DC movies, and it um, it definitely cemented Wonder Woman as an A-list hero. And, um, you know, all of those things that people are saying about, you know, women's empowerment and strength and, uh, you know, being a historic film for those reasons, I would agree with. Um, and it was great. Um and Daisy, you can add your thoughts here in a minute. I did a full review on the podcast here, I guess, last week. And it is a spoiler-filled review. Um, very critical look at the movie. Because although it was a great movie, it wasn't perfect. It had some issues, and and I, I pointed those out. Um some people have taken issue with me on those things. Others have agreed. Um, but uh, we'll get to one of the things that they have disagreed with me on here in a minute because it is really pertinent to our discussion. But, Daisy, what was your impression of Wonder Woman? Well, I would say, um, just like you, you know, I thought it was, I, I thought it was a great movie. I mean, there were some things that I felt could have been done better, 
but on the whole, I mean, I was, I was reacting to this movie. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just glad that the sound in the theater was so loud because I might have been a little, um, I was trying to keep it under my breath. I don't know if I succeeded entirely, <laughs> but especially during some of the action sequences where uh, Diana was fighting, I just, I was rooting for her all the way. I love this movie and I love the way that, uh, I love the way that I'm seeing women react to it. Like it's a movie that, that we've been waiting for. It's a superhero movie. It's a female superhero movie directed by a woman. So it's more of a, a woman's perspective on things. And I, I thought it was pretty exciting. I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, there were some, you know, most of the, I do agree with a few of the issues that you bring up on your extended podcast, Johnny, but I, I don't think I agree with them all, but they're they're kind of smaller things. So on the whole, I'd say this is a fantastic movie. And I don't even know that much about the DC canon myself, but I I liked what I saw a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was it was solid, it was fantastic. And you know, here at the DC, the reason we're talking about Wonder Woman on the Diesel Punk podcast is because of what Diesel Punk is as as we see it. Um, and we talk about it every week, but we have new listeners every week, and we define diesel punk as, you know, uh, my personal definition is a celebration of the retrofuturism of the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, basically seeing the future of today through the eyes of the past. Um, Larry has a little bit different definition. I think, Eric, you have a little bit different definition. We'll oh, talk sure about do. that in a I minute. I sure do. Um, but I think we all agree on one thing, and that is that diesel punk has certain elements to it um, that make it diesel punk. It's contemporary in origin. It's been created since the end of the historical era, whether that's 1945 or 1957, depending on you know your personal timeline. But it's it's contemporary. It's it's new and modern. It's got the aesthetics. Um, what we call decodence. And, you know, I was thinking about that word and, and that definition, that the aesthetics, it can be set in the period, that could be part of the aesthetics, or it could just have the visual look and feel of the era. You know, the movie Dark City is a great example. It is obviously not set during the diesel era, but... All of the aesthetics are, are noir, art deco, that 1920s, 30s, and 40s visual aesthetic. And it maintains that style and spirit of the era. And then it's got to have punk. And for me, punk is science fiction and fantasy. Uh, alt history or alt technology, future tech, magic tech. Um, you know, for Larry... Uh, you know, it's that push against contemporary culture, that countercultural attitude. And that's where he sees sci-fi and fantasy as being countercultural. And I, I think I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. After our last podcast talking about that, I kind of got his his point on that. And 
And I think I would agree with that. And, you know, depending on how we look at those individual definitions, I think we all agree that those are the key components, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and the thing is, that it's like, I mean, geez, you know, you're working, you're working my corner here. And I, I have an, a much more holistic ver- view on what diesel punk is. I think that what you and I are doing right now, you and me and Daisy and all of our listeners, this is essential diesel punk. We are literally in the future of the past doing things that not even science fiction authors could have imagined. Well, maybe Isaac Asimov. I think Isaac Asimov saw this coming. But the thing is, is that what we um, listen? I, look, I'm sitting here. I'm 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 wearing, <laughs> I'm we're wearing period replica clothing, including my fedora. Sitting here, talking into a microphone, <laughs> which is bouncing signals off of towers and satellites and whatever to have this conversation with you, <laughs> recording literally on 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 a laptop computer. You can't get any more diesel punk than this. I don't think. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And and so, you know, kind of my point to, to that <clears throat> diatribe was that Wonder Woman fit all of those criteria. It um you know, it was it's obviously modern, made with modern technology, modern sound film, um, you know, created in the contemporary era. It's definitely got the aesthetics. It's set during World War One, which for diesel punks is a seminal milestone in the in the timeline. Uh, for many, it's the start of the diesel era. Um, for some of us, it's kind of at the beginning, but not the start. Um, but you know, you've got the that aesthetic of the World War One era, and the feeling I got from the film because I don't remember a date being shown on the screen, it's pretty late in the war. So the styles that you see are very much into that 20s, um, bordering on that, that, that boardwalk empire prohibition styling. Um, so the, the, the aesthetics are there it, all over the place. And then it definitely has science fiction, fantasy. It has that punk because you've got a super-powered warrior woman demigoddess stepping into the middle of World War One to bring it to an end. I, I, I don't think it gets any more punk than that. But... 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 Many people in the diesel punk community, enough that it, it's worth talking about, have disagreed that Wonder Woman is diesel punk. Everyone, a lot of people have said that it's a great period movie with fantasy included. And, you know, I, I challenged one com- commentator on that and said, well, what did you think about Fantastic Beasts? And he said Fantastic Beasts is diesel punk. Well, how can Fantastic Beasts be diesel punk but Wonder Woman not? When they're maintaining basically the same kind of aesthetic and the same kind of texture in terms of that 
that punk being the the fantasy elements. Daisy, what did, what did you think? D- does Wonder Woman, in your opinion, based on what you saw on the screen, fit the criteria that we've talked about over the course of the last five years? I think so. And, um, you know, there were some sci-fi elements. I like to think um, one of the villains and all the um, scientific experiments that villain was doing. Dr. Poison. Added, yeah, Dr. Poison. I... I didn't want to give any spoilers. I didn't even want to name any names. <laughs> uh, sorry. No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. But I thought that added a bit of the uh, science and the science fiction element to it. And yes, it was largely fantasy instead of sci-fi. But I, I don't believe that Diesel Punk should only be sci-fi. You know, I, I think that's 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 narrowing it a little too much right there. I, I agree with you. And and for the diesel punks who are into the military aspect of diesel punk, the, the military aesthetics, they should have been pleased as all get out with this. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Because it's th- the middle of World War One. The world is coming to an end if they don't stop this war. Just to give you, just to wet your whistle there, Eric. Yeah. So I agree. I, I think we agree that it meets the criteria of diesel punk. And so that started, and this, this is our next stop on this, on this excursion. That started an entire discussion about, and this all happened on Facebook and different forums, but it started an entire discussion about what is or isn't diesel punk. And our good friend Andrew Gearwood ch- chimed in and, and gave us some food for thought about anachronism and yep. pro-chronism. And there was a third one that, you know, I was like, wow, that's that's heavy stuff. But it was you, Eric, Uh-oh. who who saw fit to really get people riled up and stir the pot. <laughs> and, and I got to love it. I, I love, you know, my wife accuses me of, getting people riled up and, and poking the monkey. You take the cake, brother, well, in a good way. Well, I'm going to... I, I, I love it. Well, uh, okay. So I'm going to paraphrase Harlan Ellison here for a second. Because the thing is, is that um, somebody had asked him when he was doing the, his sci-fi buzz thing. And if you remember the, early, the first decade of, of the sci-fi channel, and it pains me to sit, call it the Sci-Fi Channel. I, I can't, I can't, I cannot do it without wincing. He used to do like the Andy Rooney style commentaries on Sci-Fi Buzz, and the thing is, is that somebody had sent him a letter saying, well, "Who the hell made you the authority on 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 science fiction?" Well, somebody had asked me, "Who the hell are you to determine uh, what is and what isn't diesel punk?" Or what is diesel punk? I'll tell you what is diesel punk. But I'm not, I'm going to, you decide what isn't diesel punk. That's up to you. But somebody had asked me, like I had said, who made you the authority on what is diesel punk? And I'll tell you who you did. You made me the authority on what is diesel punk because you won't do it. I'm not talking about you, John, and I'm not talking about you, Daisy. But the thing is that there are people who are these Johnny-come-latelys who keep 
asking the question, what is diesel punk? And I'll give you my answer. And the thing is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to point in a direction and say, here, go read this. I'm going to tell you. And after a while, I came up with these really great paragraphs of what is diesel punk. And I put them in a Word document. And I thought someday I, I, will, I will publish this. And little did I know that someday I would be taking over dieselpunks.org um, in another incarnation. But the thing is, and, and um, the host um, over at Retro Radio Future, um, he and I did a show on an article that somebody had refreshed about Mad Max, Fury Road, isn't steampunk, it's dieselpunk. And he and I, for an hour and ten minutes, talked about this. And the thing is, it's like I thought this is a perfect time to publish this nugget because the thing is, is that you have these people who want to put their hooks in diesel punk and they want to trademark it or they want to put it in a bottle or a package. They want to claim it as their own and they want to put it out there and they want to market it as if it was like ketchup or something like that. And what I really wanted to do was I wanted to make it absolutely, totally, perfectly clear <laughs> that there are some of us who are diesel punks even before there was a word diesel punk. Um, Johnny raises his hand. Johnny raises his hand. And the thing is, it's like, I mean, and I remember being told, listen, I'm not, you know, by my mom. Look, you want all these crazy clothes. She didn't use the word crazy. She used something a little bit more derogative. I'll let you figure out what she said. I'm not going to buy these clothes for you because they look crazy. They look like <laughs> they look like you're a hoodlum or, or or an extra from The Untouchables or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or whatever. I'm not doing it. You were buying your own clothes. So that's what, exactly what I did. And I found World War II Army-Navy surplus. And I used to include Army-Navy surplus with things like whatever the kids were like i'm sure you remember back in the late 80s early 90s spandex pants was the thing so i'd be wearing combat boots spandex pants <laughs> an ike jacket and a fedora and i didn't know that that was i was a diesel punk at the time but i was a diesel punk and the yeah, those are crazy clothes those are crazy clothes and the thing is that it was just like i had to publish this because there are so many other people who have written this article even the same woman who wrote this great article about diesel punk is for beginners. She wrote this other article, which makes me wonder. I don't think she even knew what she was talking about. She's just throwing things on the screen, hoping that they stick. Somebody has to write the definitive definition of what diesel punk is. Nobody else is going to do it, um, or nobody has done it on the Fedora Chronicles yet. So I thought now's the time I have to do it because... And of course, we have this argument about, you know, is Fantastic Beasts diesel punk? Is Wonder Woman diesel punk? Is The Untouchables diesel punk? Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow, Indiana Jones, Dark City, you name it. There are people. So I put this, I put this down. And a lot of people said, wow, that's great. Thank you so much. And a lot of people have taken me to task because maybe I'm too inclusive. Or maybe I'm not inclusive enough. And that's where we are this afternoon, talking about the concept. And this question, is: this is one of those great activities amongst diesel punks, talking about what is diesel punk. 
That's what we do. It's one of our fa- We spend more time discussing what is diesel punk than going into our, our arts and crafts room and creating product. So. Well, that is true. And, you know, I, I thought it was a great article. Did I agree 100%? Um, no, but I agreed probably 98% with, with what you had to say. And I thought it was fantastic. If you've not read it, it's at the fedorachronicles.com. Go check it out. Um, and, and you can read it. And you, you brought up an interesting point. I did read some of the comments that you, you were painting diesel punk with too broad a brush mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it was too broad too inclusive that the tent was too big and that's been a criticism from other people for years i i had a panel with tommy hancock at pulp bark several years ago and and he said the problem with diesel punk is that it's too broad that that you know that's the biggest weakness and i would dare say that's its biggest strength is that it is a big tent and there are a lot of different styles and and expressions that you can embrace well, you you can get into the gaming you can get into the the literature you can get into the movies you can be a cosplayer you can be a lifestyler like like I am like you are Eric mm-hmm. you can you know, you can express it in so many different ways but then just the the source material that we're drawing from is broad. You know, you've got Prohibition, you've got World War One, World War Two, you've got uh, the the Dust Bowl, you've got you know the problems with segregation, Jackie Robinson breaking mm-hmm. the color barrier. You've got the Harlem Renaissance, the the birth of jazz. You, you've got so many different historical reference points, and all of them have their own style. You know, gangsters, flappers, military, um, you know, the, the Appalachian, uh, you know, or the country areas like uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, Daisy. You know, th- those people had a different style from the folks in Chicago and New York. Don't forget my favorite group, though. One of my favorite groups are the people who, like in For Whom the Bell Tolls, Americans who joined the resistance or in, in the Spanish Civil War, those people, they put on, you know, just like um, Gary Cooper, you know, wearing your fedora and your leather jacket and, you know, and, and, and your hunting pants and going off and fighting or, the you know, fighting the, uh, the, the fascists in Spain or you're talking about the resistance fighters who left their homes to go hide out in the woods and to, to fight the Nazis. That's, that's diesel punk. I think. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Here, but here's, here's the issue that I have. And this is one of the reasons why maybe my tent is too broad because one of the, one of the things that I had made a point to say is that there are two types of diesel punks or there's two, there's two flavors as it were there. There's the naturalistic diesel punk. It's the people who wear, authentic vintage clothes or the reproductions like I wear. Those are, those are the naturalist. If you're, look, if you, if you're wearing vintage wear and you have an iPhone watch, you are diesel punk. If you have an iPhone watch or, or a cell phone, or, or if you drive a Prius, you are a diesel punk. 
And then there's the retrofuturistic diesel punk are the people who are into the sci-fi alternate history version of diesel punk. And, you know, those are my two tent poles that everybody can can fit in under. I don't want anybody left out of the diesel punk parade, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, and that's why I think it's a strength, because it is, it is so inclusive, and you know, Daisy, you can probably comment on this better than Eric or I can, because yeah. you're you're part of you're also part of the steampunk community with the Clockwork Mechanalists, but I don't know, and I could be completely off base, but I don't know that steampunk is as inclusive as diesel punk is it could be but a lot of the stuff that we see is not it has potential to be a lot more inclusive because it spans almost a hundred it's inspiration spans almost a, a whole century you know and there's influences that could be taken from all over the world. I have seen some fantastic steampunk outfits that were not fancy Victorian dresses. But what we see time and time again from steampunk is the fancy Victorian stuff and the mad scientists. And that's, I don't know, that seems uh, so people have kind of latched onto that and said, okay, well, this is steampunk. But there's so much more that could be steampunk. Now, I got to say about the mechanalists, we keep things pretty loose. <laughs> we, uh, we take all comers. We take steampunk. We take diesel punk. We take weird West characters. We take all characters from all these different punks. Basically, if you're an anachronistic punk of any kind, you are welcome with us. You know, we're, we're trying to keep it actually punk you know what i mean with the whole the characters the people who are on the ship the mechanists they're all people who have um you know they're not members of polite society we'll put it that way you know you got a bootlegger you've got people who are wanted in several universes <laughs> things like that <laughs> so I'm not going to speak for steampunk because steampunk is not my ex my area of expertise, but um, I feel like they have a lot that they could branch out with, and I think more of that needs to come to the forefront. I do. Well, that that's a great point. I I think that one of the things that's really sort of important to remember is that. You, Folks who are listening need to go back and listen to another show that we had on a on a on a similar topic. Uh, again, about more trouble that I that I started. Um, you know, when I wrote uh, Requiem for Steampunk, and I think that what's killing um, a lot of these punk movements is that they that they've forgotten why they got into the, the retro punk movement in the first place. I mean, not to get dark or anything like that, but there is something really, really wrong with modern society. And I tried to say this in my, in my two rants. There is something wrong about our society where we have these monthly publications that tell you what's in, what's out, 
and you know Madison Avenue or the fashion industry releases their their fall collection or their their spring collection and and these are names you must know and you're expected to throw out all the clothes from last year's we're coming into it's to summer so let's just call it the summer collection you're you're supposed to throw out everything from last year because now that's out and now you have to buy everything that's in and next year you're going to have to do the same where there's a lot of us who say you know what my grandfather's uh, World War II Ike jacket is still in awesome shape and I don't care if Playboy magazine says that everything from you know everything retro is out and you know or put it in in the basement until it's back in again no if if you want to be a punk, you have to be willing to go against this establishment that is trying to dictate everything that you wear, while at the same time they tell you that fashion is all about making your own personal choices that, that feel right to you. It, it, it's not like that. It doesn't work that way. I love the style aesthetic of the 30s and 40s, and I, I don't care... I don't I listen I have I have clothes for the winter and I have clothes for the summer that all have the retro vibe and I'm rebelling against what what GQ and all these other men's magazines are telling me what's in or out and if you're a punk you should be doing the same too so and punk's forgotten that and I don't I and like I had said on one a previous show, I think that some of these punk movements need to stop calling themselves punk because they run to a authority to tell them what is or isn't steampunk. And I think that that's wrong. But I'm just repeating myself from a previous show. Well, you know, speaking of GQ, I just I can't wait until they start having uh, models wear suits that actually fit. <laughs> you read my mind or 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 you you've because i just finished another rant which is going to get me into more trouble talking about these lacy shorts that are supposed to be or those oh or my the one, god bless or, america or the onesies the onesies i because i know that you despise the 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 t-shirt shorts and sneakers look now the thing is you can skip that and the thing is because how many times have you looked at your infant son and said man i wish i had a a onesie like that now you can the man romper yeah Yeah. i'm not a fan not a fan you you know you know 17 year old son though thinks that uh they're pretty nifty because apparently some nba players are wearing them and you know if they're doing it it's the cool thing to do well you know back, back in world war ii they had long sleeves, long pant legs. You, they wore them with combat boots, and they were called coveralls, or yeah. or pair of flight suits, or flight flat, suits, flak jackets. Yeah, exactly. That'll get into. Do they do they come do do they come in heavy canvas, and do they come in gray, taupe, and brown, and maybe black? I I could get into that. They do, and 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 you know what? If you want to get a good resource for them. Connect with your local Ghostbusters fan group. Exactly. Exactly. See, the Ghostbusters were ahead of their time. Yeah, they were. In a, in a lot of ways, well, the original Ghostbusters, the original, original Ghostbusters, the TV Ghostbusters, I don't know if you've ever seen it, horrible show, totally diesel punk. Oh, sure. But <clears throat> but you talk about the the original Ghostbusters. What... 
because I there's only two Ghostbusters movies. Then they star Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and the the immortal Bill Murray. What 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 are you what are you talking about? There's no other Ghostbusters. <laughs> are you being serious? No, you're not. What? No. <laughs> what, what? You can't. You can't not be being serious. What? What is? What are you? What are you two talking about? You guys are alluding to something that I'm not familiar with. The, the TV show from the uh, from the seventies. Uh, um, are you talking about the eighties? The real Ghostbusters. That was the cartoon. Okay. But before that, okay, and, the, and the, that cartoon was based off of it. Okay. Um. But um. It was a TV show. Um, let me see where with oh here it is Ghostbusters Wikipedia nineteen eighty six TV series. I don't remember. Oh no 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 no! I'm sorry. Well, this is the Ghostbusters. Right. Ghostbusters seventy five. Nineteen seventy five. Yeah. A team of bumbling detectives who would investigate ghostly occurrences. Fifteen episodes were produced, and um, the show reunited Forrest Tucker and Larry Stork in similar roles in F Troop. Basically, you had uh, kind of this Appalachian style uh, bootlegger kind of character. You had a uh, New York zoot suited gangster and a gorilla. I remember an intelligent gorilla that were the Ghostbusters. You gotta have a gorilla. Did the gorilla wear a fedora? No, he wore a, a spinner beanie. Them, okay. Yeah, one of them spinny beanie hats. Oh, okay. Now, now I remember in that. Yeah. Cartoon he did. Okay. Okay, there you go. Now I yes, I remember that. I, I do vaguely remember that because my neighbor's kids used to watch that while I was sitting for them. But you know what we haven't had in a good long while? You know what we really need? We need a reunion Ghostbusters movie. That's, that's what we really need. We need a new Ghostbusters movie. Sort of like to pass the baton. I want to see, I want to see Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd pass the torch on. I, I got to think you're being a little bit facetious here. <laughs> because Dan Aykroyd did that with, with the... Uh, with the Lady Ghostbusters movie. What? He wrote that. He wrote it. No. Really? He wrote it. He was the executive producer of it. I'll take your word for it, but I mean, maybe I'm having a, an aneurysm or something. I, I, I don't know. I don't think, I just, I can't see it. I can't, you know? You know, it's like, it's sort of like, um... And next thing you know, you're going to tell me, like, what's his name? Chris Helmsworth was, like, the secretary or something dumb like that. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. Now we know you're being facetious. All right. Um, but all of that discussion brings us to... So, so, Eric, your head has been ready to explode because people have been twisting and turning in the wind and misinterpreting your words. Yes. While at the same time, my head is about to explode on on another issue that is the flip side of this. You know, we, we're talking about what is diesel punk. And, and on the other side, there are people trying to tell us that what we consider diesel punk is steampunk. 
<laughs> and doing what I call diesel punk appropriation. Yes. And it drives me insane. You, you, th- there was a comment today oh. or last night that Sky Captain had elements of steampunk because it had blimps in it. I'm sorry. I was very polite, but my, my, the vein in my forehead was just popping out. And I was like, have you never I'm, studied history? I'm sorry. Hold on, John. Could, could you please hold on for a second? Hold on a second. <laughs> See, now you're pulling my leg. I mean, does the word does the word Hindenburg mean anything to anybody anymore? <laughs> I guess not. Apparently, you know, because for steampunks, the 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 blimps, the airships, were were future tech for Victorian era. Sure, I, I get that, and and I get why they would be part of steampunk, but. When you have a vehicle that was in common use in the era, in an era-focused piece, oh, oh, my brain hurts. (laughs) I can't, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that I should be crying. Listen, and and I've made this argument, and I've, I've literally gotten into fist fights, well, not fist fights, but really heated arguments where it almost came to blows or I have said if you're going to give students high school diplomas and college degrees you also have to include four years of history in high school and then again four years in college and people say well why is history important this is why history is important the fact that you don't know Anything at all about the Hindenburg, which is probably one of the one of the biggest events that it, disasters in world history. It, the thing is, is that when you look up de- disasters in world history, the thing is, is that the Hindenburg is going to show up on like the page before or after the Challenger incident. If you yeah. if you were going to tell everybody that you're you're a steampunker or steamer for short, or if, or or you're a diesel punk, you've got to study history. You've got to know your timeline. You have got to know the 100 points of history that had occurred between the end of, of World War One and sometime in the 50s. You pick it. It could be 51 or it could be 55, 56, it doesn't matter. You've got to know your history before you start meddling in alternate history. And the yeah. anybody anybody who says that blimps belong to steampunk and steampunk only, they have no idea what they're talking about. And and you know there used to be a thing called shame. And shame used to be a very good thing or a very bad thing. Shame kept you from doing things like, oh, I don't know, um, parents abandoning their, their, their kids when he was, you know, when the kids are like four years old. Or, or it keeps your mom from letting her neo-Nazi pedophile runt 
boyfriend molest her daughter. There's a thing called shame, and it was a good thing. We've abolished shame, but I think we should bring shame back for and and punish those who are ignorant. <laughs> You're cracking me up. It's awesome. But I mean, and I don't disagree. Uh, it's uh, but this whole diesel punk appropriation thing. I mean, I, I think I've coined that term. But it really just does drive me insane, and and so um, the same the same poster. This was on Facebook. You know, sent me sent me a link of steampunk movies, and I'm looking through the list: Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Sucker Punch. I'll give them that one on the line. I'll put that on the line. Um, but. Uh, you know, Hellboy and um, Mary Poppins was listed as a steampunk movie. Huh? Yeah. And that is definitely a movie that takes place at the very beginning of the diesel era. And it's got all of the hallmarks of diesel punk. Anyway, I, I about lost my mind. Um, and, and, I just wish that other retropunks didn't feel the need to borrow from us. I, I, you, you know, they, sh they should just convert. They should just join us, diesel punks, and just get it over with. And because, but the thing is, and I'm not trying to insult steampunk, but steampunk is easy and diesel punk is hard. If you can take a $5 uh, cell phone and you can go over to Michael's and you can get a bag of cogs and gears and, and, and hot glue them to your cell phone cover and that, and that cell phone cover turns with all the, with all the gears and, and widgets and whatnot, the greeble that you put on, now all of a sudden it's a steampunk cell phone. Whereas it's like if you purposely make something that's diesel punk and you put hours and hours into it, after you're done, people will argue with you about whether or not it really is diesel punk or whether it's ray punk or atom punk or is it just retro. I mean, diesel punk is hard sometimes, but it's worth the effort. That's an interesting perspective, Eric. And who was it, the, uh, the uh, chap hop artist uh, who did that song, just glue some gears on it and call it steampunk? Uh, it's yes. Reginald Pike Devant Esquire. <laughs> yeah. um, that's how I feel sometimes. Now, look, I, please don't anybody listening misunderstand. We are not putting down steampunk. No, not at all. Love it. And, and the people who are really fine craftsmen, because there are those people out there. But you're, you're right, Eric. It is, it, is an easy, it is an easy gateway into steampunk because, for a couple of reasons. One is the reason that you just mentioned. But two, it has had more of a commercial awareness in the geek culture community. And and so it is kind of the the gateway, and 
I think Daisy, you your story is kind of you came into diesel punk because the only thing available to you at the time that you were aware of was steampunk. And it appealed Basically. it appealed to your like retro futuristic yeah. ideals. Well, I joined the mechanalists. You know, I went to go see them at uh, Mid South Con a couple years back. I went to their panel and I just I had the question was uh I just asked the question, you know, what about steampunk? But a little bit later. <laughs> that was how I that was how I uh, got to know what diesel punk was cuz I asked our buddy Jeff, you know, what about, you know, like the 20s? That's my big thing and he that is when he described diesel punk to me and suggested that I start listening to your podcast. Yeah, and you know, <clears throat> I I think there are a lot of people who have a similar story. You know, for me, I I was always a diesel punk. I just didn't know it had a label yeah. or that there was a community. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, steampunk is kind of a gateway because it is easier. And, you know, I, not, not that, and I don't want people to misunderstand this. It's not that uh, diesel punks are laboring over it, but because because it is such a broad tent, and because styles really, particularly men's fashion area, yeah, yeah. has not really changed that much since the historical era. There and there are still people alive today who lived during that period. Exactly, exactly. So. So, so the to to take something that is very familiar and almost commonplace still, and to alter it enough that you maintain its aesthetic and its and its spirit, but enough that it can be recognizably something new and different. That's that takes some work. Well, I think I I think that. One of the things that I had an issue with, with a lot of steampunk, is that there are so many people who take the easy way out with steampunk. Like I said, with just glue gears on it and call it steampunk. Well, I'm going to use Taylor's Forge as an example because she's been a guest on the Fedora Chronicles radio show. I'm going to use her as an example. She works really damn hard. I mean, you can tell that... She, I mean, she's got the part-time student working to get her degree in the fashion, in fashion design. She already established herself as a name as a, a steampunk enthusiast who makes her own clothes, steampunk clothes, and she, yeah, and she's working as 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 a model. And the thing is, is that she can she puts all this time and effort into. Um, an, an outfit that is phenomenal. And I'm telling you, Hollywood, if you're not paying attention to this woman, you're missing out. Uh, um, whereas somebody can just do, you know, just go to Michael's and, and glue some gears and, th and they think that that's, that's just as good as what Taylor's does. And that's, that's bullshit. Pardon my language. You can edit that out later. The idea that it's like, you seem to think that it was like, well, I'm I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna paint my room copper and call it steampunk, you know? Okay, 
I guess that's one way to do it. But it's like when I was watching, um, the, uh, watching the show Steampunked, I just there was a couple of times that I'm thinking if they just chose another color scheme that could have been that could have been diesel punk. It's it would have been, and you know with what I'm doing with you know rebuilding the gym in my basement and I'm trying to give it as much as of a 1940s vibe as I possibly can trying to choose the right light fixtures and stuff like that. It could very easily go into the Ray punk territory or the Adam punk territory. And that's okay. I would be okay with that as a matter of fact. And I know that we're going to get hate mail for this and I can't wait to answer it. I think that Ray punk and to a large extent, Adam punk falls under the umbrella of diesel punk especially ray punk because of all of the 1930s 40s and early 50s science fiction imagery comes from the diesel punk era Adam- i happen to be in 100 percent agreement with that statement and i said on an episode of this podcast when we did it live at geekonomicon that i believe that all Adam Punk, Ray Punk is Diesel Punk. But not all Diesel Punk is Atomic Punk. Oh, that's absolutely true. That's I can actually draw you the Venn diagram. That's the one thing I got of out of my last semester of of um of uh, of math in college is Venn diagrams. I can do great Venn not much else. I could do I could do compound interest if I give me the formula, but Venn diagrams, I'm really good at that. And the Venn diagram that I've drawn is Adam Punk and Ray Punk fit within the circle that is that is diesel punk. Except where there's a little crescent, a little small little room for people to put their stuff if they don't want it considered diesel punk. And that's that's okay. But and the, here's another thing that we had said earlier, and I think this is really sort of super important, is that we're all retro punks. And there's the strange notion that we have to be warring factions when really we're we're like we're like neighbors you know it's like it's sort of like um it's like diesel punk is the continental united states and steampunk is like it's like the united kingdom it's like we're allies we're friends we're just a small ocean apart but you need a passport to travel between them you do I guess you yeah. do. I guess you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. but And I think that's where my issue with appropriation comes from. Hey, if you want to love what I love, come on, let's have a party. Sure. Just don't call it yours. <laughs> that's all. You know, it's like, don't come over in my yard and take my mower and, and call it yours. Well, you know, it's it's sort of it's sort of like this. Whereas there's um, the guy who, and I've been posting like crazy about this. Um, the guy who created or who made my cell phone holster, he um, he he does most of the his work in in steampunk stuff. Kurt Fowler does a lot of his work in 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 traditional Western and steampunk stuff. And the thing is, is that you have these talented artists, and if you said, if you said to them, "Hey, cut it this way," or "Don't put all the imprint, the reliefs on it, whatever," and you know, I'll buy it. You know, it's less work for you and more money for you too. 
you know and he made this he made this great thing and the thing is is that it was like hey look that's that's diesel punk it's it's not, it's just it's just not that hard and i think that i think that I, i'm going to accuse the press of this because i don't know who else to blame but i think that the thing is is that the press wants to call everything retro steampunk without knowing what it is you'll see these articles like do like if you have your if you have an iPhone, they have like iNews, the little app and it gets shows you and it's like you will see things under the heading for steampunk, but it's diesel punk, but they didn't know where else to put it. Does that make any sense? It's like it's like a basket that they like to throw everything into and everything in that. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I've been I've been uh, petitioning Comixology, which is a great digital comics you know resource but they 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 put everything that is diesel punk they lump it into either steampunk pulp or historical hmm. and if you know to look in those places great but i've been petitioning them forever to create a diesel punk category yes. and i've even given them the list of the books to put in there Yes. And um, they're they're sick of hearing from me by now, but uh, I th- anyway. I, th- I think that that list is um, that list. Um, I th- um, some Della Rocca fellow had sent me an article um, to to publish on the 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 new dieselpunks dot org, and and that list a list like that is in is there, you know, and and you'll be able to find it on on our new main page for dieselpunks. That is an excellent segue. Well done, Eric. It wasn't intentional. It, it's a happy accident. Well, I, th- I think it's a good place to segue to the future of dieselpunks.org. You want to catch everyone up to speed, Eric? Um, how far back do we want to go? Um, the thing is, is that... Um, I, I, I let's just let's just talk about code for a second. And the thing is, is that every time people say HTML is on the way out, that it's dying, and it's going to be replaced by something else, like some other content management system. What usually winds up happening is that that content management system, whether it's a Facebook or a WordPress or whatever, eventually dies out. But HTML remains the same. And dieselpunks.org is a, it's a great, great website. It's a great website. Um, it's where I've met so many of, of our mutual friends, but the problem is is that it's like we're trying to transfer it over to something. And I'm working really hard to save all the articles that I can, but because the format is not compatible with just what I, raw HTML or, or PHP or whatever, I'm trying to copy all the articles um, one at a time. So this is a time, what I'm trying to say is, if you want to be published on the new dieselpunks.org, send me an email, send me a tweet, get in touch with me. I'm not that hard to find. It, just go to Facebook, look for Eric Fisk, click on the picture of the guy wearing the, the, the fedora and the evil goatee. Um, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create the next version of Dieselpunk, which 
is it's going to be all HTML and it's it's all you, everything is going to be indexed where you go to the main index page and then it'll leave, give you three categories or four there might be four but I know that there's three so far and you will be able to find every article that has ever been published on dieselpunks.org that um, I'm able to archive and if you if you are a writer if uh, and you want to make sure send it to me get in touch with me any way you can any format you can I will be able to take it reformat it and put it back on the internet where it belongs on on dieselpunks.org um, and it's taken up all of my time but it's a labor of love and um, my whole point is is to do it in such a way that um, keeping it simple, stupid. Um, and that's, that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that this, all these articles that I can save while I can save them, um, because it, the, the original format might go dark, um, and, and about maybe 15 days. So, uh, am I, am I going off track here? Well, so my, my point there was some of our listeners may not know. Um, even though Larry put out the news and, and it was announced, um, we haven't talked about it here on the show. Um, you know, a, a year ago, Larry Amiet, our co-host, took over dieselpunks.org from Tome Wilson, and he has carried the ball forward. Mm-hmm. But but it, um, it it became a little bit more than he could continue to do. Um, and so... Eric, you reached out to Larry when when he said, you know, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut the site down. It's it's got to go away. I can't do it anymore. <clears throat> and you you have now assumed ownership of dieselpunks.org. Exactly. And that's what you're talking about is converting the existing site into a new site that preserves as much as possible, but becomes a more user-friendly and evergreen format exactly and it's going to be in a format that it's it's never going to go away it because um i have seen so many other content management systems come and go but the way that we make web pages in in the original html code see now i'm getting really nerdy and I, and I know that some people are kind of like drifting off to sleep here, but the whole purpose is to make sure that everything that is published on our site, you will be able to go to regardless of whatever. You can see it on a cell phone. You can see it on your desktop, whatever technology that they have in the future. I'm sure maybe you could even look at it on your cyber phone that you, that, that you have. The whole point is to make sure that nothing ever gets lost again. And that everything is going to be indexed, everything is going to be filed in, everything's going to be filed in order, and it's going to be easier to find. And another thing, I haven't said anything yet, I'm also looking at a way to incorporate the Google search engine directly into the web page. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, but I, I'm working on it. Um, and this is to make sure that it's like the next person who, the, the person who takes diesel punks from me in the not to in the future, God forbid, if anything should happen, we'll have an easier time of it. So, and and this is also an invitation to new writers as well. 
if you're passionate about diesel punk and you want to say anything about diesel punk whatsoever, you know, keep it, keep it PG or soft R and send it along to us. And I, and I guarantee you if it, if it fits the appropriate criteria, it'll get published. And this is a great opportunity for people to say, I got something published on dieselbunks.org. And, you know, and this is a great opportunity for writers and artists and everybody who has something that they, they want to share. And we'll work with people to make sure that, that it's right and appropriate and, and worthy of preserving. Fantastic. So you guys have heard the clarion call. If uh, one, if you have been a contributor to dieselpunks.org and you want to have something specifically archived and preserved, you got to let Eric know. We're, he, he's working as much as he can to, to archive as much of it as possible. But the reality is, Eric, that it may not be possible to save everything. So the, the key thing here is if you've got something that you published through dieselpunks.org that you think is essential and really needs to be archived and preserved, let Eric know. The second part of that is if you're a writer and want to contribute, Eric's door is wide open. Talk to him and um, oh, there's something going. There's also something else more important. This is also going to be the main page is going to be where you will find all the latest news on diesel punk. So if you have news items to send us as well, this is, this is the place to go. Get in touch with me and um, John will have all my contact information on the show's homepage, but the fastest, easiest way to get to me, it's really easy. Facebook, just look me up, Eric Fisk, CGD or on Twitter, um, Fedora Chronicle at, you know, at Fedora Chronicle on Twitter. It's, it's it's so easy my mom could do it yeah and you guys can send me an email directly feedback at dieselpunkpodcast.com and um the old url still works by the way the old uh email address so if you've got that bookmarked uh send me an email and we'll get you in touch with eric well hey guys and gals before we wrap up there were two other things that you guys wanted to share daisy you discovered an anime that you're really getting into and you wanted to share with our listeners. Yeah, so um, a, uh, I think one of the last couple times we all got together to talk, I was um, talking about I was talking about both this uh, project where they'd take in old Japanese cartoons from the 1910s up through the 1930s and 40s. And uh, kind of made an archive out of them. And um, if you subscribe to the anime streaming service Crunchyroll, you can see all of those cartoons through there. But another thing that I found on that service, because I was looking for new series to watch anyway. And I think this may have been one that I brought up while just doing a little research on the internet. And I finally started watching it. It is called... Night Raid 1931. And it was released in 2010. I actually started watching it today. So, and I've only seen two episodes so far, but I can tell you it's some, from what I can tell, it wasn't very well received by Western audiences because it's, 
there's a lot of intrigue that's related to the history of Japan and China and the relationships between those countries in the 1930s. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of layers of history that uh, you know. If you just wanted to watch a fun spy show, you might feel a little bit lost. But um, I'm on board. Even after two episodes, I'm still on board. It's uh, and I think that this series is diesel punk. Uh, the basic plot of Night Raid 1931. Is um, yes, the year is 1931. The location is Shanghai, China. The Imperial Japanese Army has been dispatched to mainland China due to the relatively recent First Sino Japanese War, the Russo Japanese War, and World War One. And Shanghai, of course, is a very cosmopolitan city because it's a port, so you have people coming from all these different countries and all these different um. Wires crossing. So you know what? It is a perfect city for spies. And there is a special military spy organization called Sakurai. And that is what the main characters of this series belong to. Now, here is why I think this series is diesel punk. Um, first of all, you have the deco dense by default because of the time period where it's set in. And from do character development because it, it it has such a thick plot. So I don't know if I'm gonna get to like these people. <laughs> but I'm on board because so far the action scenes have been really cool and it's been a really um intriguing show. And it's been it's been fun to look at. I know I want at least one of um, the main girls' dresses already. Well, this sounds like a show right up my alley. Um, I might have to check it out. I'm not a big anime fan. Yeah. But because, hmm. if it's the right vehicle, if it's the right property, hmm. you know, maybe, maybe. But yeah. everything you described is in my wheelhouse. Well, that's good. That's good. I think they have a dubbed version of it somewhere, but right now the version on Crunchyroll is just with subtitles. I know some people, you know, they can't really, they don't really like subtitles because they, it, it distracts them or they want to focus solely on the action and they can't do that when they're having to, they're having to read everything. Um, you know, of course I have an unfair advantage. <laughs> well, sure. Well, and you know what? I hate overdubbed foreign films yeah i would much rather read the subtitles yeah. and experience the film the way it was intended to be made yeah that, that's, that's just that's that is a good thing but of course you know there's also people who have like vision problems where yeah. you know yeah you can't read the tiny type well you but, know um, i i don't mean to interject here but this is how you all. know this like if you're a real true film aficionado you want it exactly the way it was filmed and released to the theaters but you know right because um yeah ever since i've actually studied the language it's been hard for me to watch it not in its original form not saying that i can't because i will if i want to watch something badly enough but um 
I may come back and uh, talk a little more about this series once I've finished it and give you my final word on it. But so far, I am, uh, I'm in, I'm, I'm on board. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Outstanding. And you know what? We're not going to get into it tonight, Eric, because we're running out of time. But I, Daisy just reminded me. Mm-hmm. I finished season two of Man in the High Castle. And we, sometime we've got to circle back and talk about this because season three is in production right now. Well, well you know what? Here, here's I'm just going to put this out there. We should just do a, a an episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Um of just you and you and I and maybe Larry talking about the first two seasons of Men in the High Castle. Let's do it. You, yep. I mean, you guys started that. You did two episodes already, mm-hmm. so let's do, let's follow up with the third now. All right. Absolutely. Hey, tell us about the Wolfenstein. You know what the thing is is I'm not a huge video game player. I'd like to be a a bigger video game player, um, and I will pick one title very very carefully. Um, and when you look at something that it's, it's, it's diesel punk and it has a great story, um, you're ringing my bell and like Pavlov's dog, I, I will, I will keep, I will, I will, I will run drooling heading over to it and diesel, uh, Wolfen, the original Wolfenstein that was released for the Xbox PlayStation a few short years ago. It's the best movie I've ever played. It's it's like it's like Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow meets um, uh, Man in the High Castle meets um, Evil Dead. It is it's an incredible, powerful story. It's gruesome. It's it's like the best Friday the 13th. Um, it has everything going for it. If you like gore with your diesel punk or diesel punk with your gore. And there are, there are moments in, in Wolfenstein that are laugh out loud funny. Um, and it's a sick macabre look at alternate history. What would have happened if the Nazis won? And you portray in this video game, BJ Blaskovich, um, an American soldier who wakes up uh, 15 years in the future to wake up to a world where the Nazis had won and the America lost because an A-bomb was dropped on Washington or New York. I'm not sure. And the thing is that the, and it is a, it's like, it's like man in the high castle. Whereas is like you, you start it and you can't stop. And I played the entire campaign in less than a week the first time. Um, and by the way, you have to play it twice. You have to play it at least twice because a decision you make early in the game determines the outcome for the rest of the game. So you have to play it at least twice. And the thing is, at the end of the game, we think we think BJ had passed away, giving his life to save to save humanities, to save society, to save civilization. Well, lo and behold, Bethesda. The makers of B, uh, of um, Wolfenstein dropped a trailer for Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus, and it is the f- the first two or three minutes is laugh out loud funny about you know television if television made if the golden age of television made by Nazis here in the United States it's it's funny 
and it's tragic and sad and hysterical all at the same time. And then it is just really over the over the top diesel punk action at its best. If you've, I mean, if if you if you like killing Nazis, if you like killing zombies, if you like killing robots, if you like killing Nazi robot zombies, this is the game for you. And um, go to the FedoraChronicles.com. I have a quick commentary on it, why I think everybody within our demographic, go out and get an Xbox or a PlayStation or whatever. Buy a copy of this game if you are a diesel punk. This is a great way for you to get into video games if you're not yet into video games. And the, and the story alone is worth the price of admission. Wow. <clears throat> ringing endorsement so uh you were telling me though that this was a completely unexpected sequel uh, um we had rumors that they were working on a title called the new colossus we didn't we didn't know what bethesda was working on and most of us assumed that because bj blaskovich died at the end of no i mean spoil alert because we thought he died um we thought the story was over and they released a prequel, a standalone prequel to it, which is also fun to play. And apparently they dropped this trailer and people were just like, just lose it. First of all, to find out that our favorite character lived is, is, is just enough. But to see the gameplay and the, and the, and the cut scenes all edited together, um, I would be very, very surprised if it is as good as the original because the original is just, it's the most amazing game I've ever played. And, and I mean, and that's, and that's, you know, that's really not saying much because I don't play games, but it's one of those games where it's like I've played it over and over and over again. And every time I see something new in it and it's and um, when I when we found out that they had a you know they were coming out with a with a uh, with a sequel this November, it was just like. Do you remember when you saw the trailer for The Empire Strikes Back for the first time? Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know what? I've I've got a PlayStation, and I might have to check out the first one. I've never played it. So uh, that may be next on my list. Well, guys and gals, it has been a long night already. And um, I think it's time to, to say farewell for this episode. And before we do, Daisy, do you want to leave any parting words? Well, I just want to say that... Uh... Things are getting pretty hot, so if everybody could just stay cool and uh, don't let the heat get to you, I think we'll we'll all be all right. So uh, stay cool, sheiks and shebas. Love it, Eric. Any last words? Uh, I, I, the invitation is open for all of you. If you want to be published, whether on on my website, the original website, FedoraChronicles.com, or the new dieselpunks.org, get in touch with me, and I'd love to hear from you. But until then, keep your chins up and your fedoras on. Excellent. And as always, this is uh, Johnny saying, swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side.